Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with Sean Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip. His 100th goal. It is 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The sickest Ottawa Senators podcast. It's going to be sick. And, of course, we end up having a special guest on this beautiful Tuesday. Look at Echo. Look at into the camera. Here we are in good old North Manatick. Kind of a quiet time in Sens land, so I thought, hey, why not have a little special guest there? And I think for a lot of Sens fans out there, just kind of retooling today, right? It's not one of those days that has to hurt. Not one of those days that necessarily – it's a maintenance day. It's just an opportunity to just kind of, hey, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, Ottawa's over in Sweden. They had a little paddle ball or I guess whatever you want to end up calling that. They end up having some fun. Probably gone to a little beer pong at this point. And let's welcome in our good friend from old Penthouse in Gatineau, Mr. Justin Murray. How are you hey. doing on this uh, fine Tuesday? And say I'm hello good. to Echo the dog. How are we doing, Echo? What's oh, she's going doing on? good. Yeah. No, she's curious as to what's going on here and just wants to chat a little uh, ice hockey on this uh, beautiful Tuesday. I was just saying, Justin, kind of out of sight, out of, sight, out of mind for Sens fans, right? It's kind of like, hey, this mm. is like a little reprieve where you don't have to have a whole lot of emotions going into right now. It's just, yeah. hey, just need a little break here. I, I don't know if this is a good break. I don't know if we're going to be excited about Hattons in Sweden, but it's just kind of like, okay, nothing to really think about. Just enjoy a couple of days here before we see some uh, some hockey come Thursday afternoon. Yeah, not. Uh, I mean, some things going on in the NHL, at least, that we can talk about uh, with yeah, the Hall sure. of Fame and the Oilers and all that stuff. Um, but looking forward to the game, uh, afternoon game on a Thursday. Maybe people might enjoy the pub or go for some pints mm-hmm. to watch it. I'm sure that will be happening all over Ottawa. Yeah, and a little bit later at 12.20, our guest today will be Cheryl Pounder. Cheryl can, of course, of course talk about playing with the national team. Uh, I think Sens fans just absolutely love her takes on the game. She breaks the game down and certainly yeah. talks technically Justin about what's happening also the unveiling of and I find this we have to be very careful when it comes to women's sports because I'm always very cautious to say anything negative of what happens and those uniforms that they carted out not the best but you just have to be really delicate Justin that everything at times I feel like as a man you have to pretend it's awesome it's the greatest thing so we'll put Cheryl on the spot and get yeah. her thoughts on uh, what was a would you would you call it a generic launch of uniforms yeah. when it kind of looked at the women's league I think it's, I think obviously that's what they were going for. Just a class, just a generic, generic Jersey right now to kind of get the league going and then they can always adjust from there. So I got to think that after a year, um, teams will have their own kind of true style of Jersey instead of kind of the league wide standard, um, Jersey, which is, which is fine. I think they'll get some, try and get some Jersey sales this year and then, and then, Obviously, hopefully they'll try and get more. The I, I think they're probably looking at the situation as well, which makes sense from a marketing standpoint. I'm guessing part of this launch to get fans involved is to come out and say, listen, what do you think of as far as a logo? Um, you yeah. know, nowadays, I mean, yeah. my God, you can get so you see all the stuff the 67s end up doing with these real creative jerseys. The old International Hockey League was unbelievable. They'd have one for Valentine's Day, uh, one for Remembrance Day, and usually it was just kind of a printed. Now, it wasn't the highest quality. Uh, but it was pretty easy to kind of do some things here to change that around. So we'll talk to Cheryl about a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, what do you think from a sense perspective? You like kind of the travel that they ended up doing of getting there fairly early? Uh, yeah. Now sounds like already getting into a little day day off and a little team bonding before they get yeah, into the games I, on I, Thursday. I think that can't hurt. Um, I mean, when you, you're listening to um, especially older NHLers, they talk about it more. But you know, when you're in the Western Conference, you're together as a team more um, compared mm-hmm. to in the East. I mean, you're flying 
after games back home all the time. You're, you're, yeah. you know, and, and so that team building does go a long way. Um, so if the, it is what it is, they're there. So use it to your advantage. Just try and take a positive from a negative and, uh, yeah, if if they come back uh, more tight and and a better team dynamic, <laughs> that's 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 all you can hope for. And a couple, uh, of wins, I, I agree. And and the other part too, and and I do like kind of the modern athlete. And as I said, Brady Kachuk, Norris, all those guys with the U.S. development program. And I, I talked on Twitter yesterday, and it was probably even back to Herb Brooks a little bit, but it was Dave King here in Canada that kind of came up with the national program in the '80s, uh, Justin, yeah. where got into travel, got into some of the science of what you're supposed to do, and one of the things you're supposed to do, and nobody he wants to do is a minute you land is hit the old ice surface get a practice in get some exercise in and i also think and, and this is where i think the modern athlete now times are different when i went over to old czechoslovakia back in the day it was communism so you're in a bad mood you know what i mean you're going into this and they they, they want you to be in a bad mood it was terrible food you know you couldn't really go anywhere i remember the city itself we were in i don't think we we're in piastani i think we we're in uh nitra or or even chara's hometown one of those little cities there but everything was amazing when you looked around, Justin, because everything was being burnt. It was all coal, yeah. right? Yeah. All the source for coal. And so all you saw was black. It was like black everywhere. And then I remember yeah. going over to the rink and everybody had the same car. And I thought to myself, if I've had a couple of pops and I'm coming out trying to find my vehicle, like it's not like nowadays where, yeah. you know, at least you got your horn there to yeah. kind of signal which yeah. lights it is. You're like, you're like going car to car. And and how many of the, you probably, they're just a bunch of shit boxes. You don't lock them. How no. many times are you in the wrong bus? and you're trying, to, trying yeah. to start up your Skoda and then you realize that's not and knowing how cheap they were you probably drove your buddy's car home and then realized yeah. I didn't even take my own Skoda back from the ice hockey match last night yeah, yeah that's too funny did you yeah. did you end up playing in that like Belarus at uh, the Belarus scouts game against the like I guess the President against or, Putin? Yeah. No, no, well, no. And they, they, against, they, uh, the other guy, it was in Be Belarus. I think it was like under 18s or something. Well, yeah, no, I, I ended up. So, so it was okay. funny when I was there. This is in Belarus. Uh, you, Lukashenko yeah. had his own team. Yeah. And yeah. it was pretty good. Now, what he had on his team, he had Grabowski, Rusin Stolay, and Vladi Siplikov, who both passed away. He yeah. would have those guys on his team, and he would drive the net, and it was their idea to feed him. On the other side, it ended up being Putin had his own team with Gazprom yeah, Oil. Yeah. And, and so what was unbelievable about this game, we, we basically, what would happen is we had our practice area, and then there was a second sheet. One of our first days in training camp, we're having a great up-tempo practice. All of a sudden, the security for Lukashenko comes over and says, listen, I want so-and-so. I think it was Vili Pelton and Ozzy Van and in the bigger names. He said, I want them to come over and play in my game. So all of a sudden, we're like, okay, you're the boss. So he ended up going over, and it's hilarious. And then you ended up having Putin come in. And what is amazing, Justin, in watching this, Putin and Lukashenko take one bench for the game. So they're sitting on a bench by themselves. And both of the other teams have to be on a bench by themselves. And you just have secret service around. And it's yeah. hilarious. Both of them are terrible. Lukashenko a bit better. And he's about a six eighter. So he he can yeah. he got some reach. But same thing. You go to the net and basically Putin is ridiculous. Like the goalies, it's like kids, right? It's like a five-year-old kid. You gotta let the goal in. And I can't figure out is he does he really think this is going in? But you gotta feed him. You gotta feed him when he's close to the net. So that was quite a spectacle. Then the other thing that they end up having is they have these massive trophies they always give out. And it's like, you know, they're walking around with a Belarusian trophy. But it, it did get quite serious because the old Gazprom team had a lot of former NHL players. So all of a sudden, Lukashenko was like, man, I got to get some imports here, right? If I'm going to have an yeah. opportunity against. And everybody out there has seen the uh, uh, famous clip of Laddie tri tripping on the carpet too, right? Yeah. 
Like, yeah. you know, the, the carpet guy is executed right after the game. He probably fell on his old sword in the parking lot, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, I love it. Anybody that's watched that clip, it's on YouTube, but it's Fatisov sees it coming, and he's like, oh, no. And he's skating around. For people who don't know, it's basically the red carpet in front of the penalty box where you come out and you, you do the anthem, you do whatever else. So end up being pretty comical. But it's all the sideshow. And for anybody that knows Dave Lewis, and I'm sure you probably know Louis from uh, the Detroit days, or, oh, well, anyways, yeah. being around the NHL. But one of the things we joked about was, you know what? I, I had to say to Louis, like, we got to write a book sometime. And Louis, like, nobody would believe us because no. the stuff that went yeah. on and, and what it was like to be in communism, to deal with these people where their whole rational, Justin, is so different. You, you can't rationalize with a communist person in the sense of the way they see the world compared to the way we see it. It's yeah. not a language thing. It is no. the craziest thing. Like you are basically, and again, you, when you look, you talk about bureaucracy and people talk about that here in Canada, what goes on with the government, and everything else, the amount of paper that goes on, even when we'd go to travel somewhere, the paper would have to be filled out, talk about what time the bus is going to leave, talk about what we're going to have for breakfast. And if, if it's simple, it was hilarious. If we decided we were going to have sausage instead of bacon on the breakfast, the, the guys would just be by the side themselves. He's like, well, no, I've, I've documented that we're going to end up having the, having the bacon. We can't go sausage. Yeah. Or, or the bus is going to leave 10 minutes late. Oh, no, no, no. We've already documented that the bus is going to leave right at noon here. So we can't be fooling around. It was really, like I said, uh, very, very cool experience to kind of see something like that back in the day. Yeah. Um, and also at the end of the show, we're going to take some questions. Um, so if anyone yeah. has some questions, write in the chat and uh, we'll tee those up. Yeah, it's been awesome through social media. Uh, certainly much appreciated last week yeah. and early into this week, guys. Just lots of the feedback, comments, uh, little critiques on things that are going on. But uh, I know for ourselves, it's a cool to be. And I wake up and just yeah. kind of go through. And uh, one of the things I learned in radio over 11 years, Justin, that's very cool as well, is that on the days, and JR always had the term, today's the day to make the bread, which was kind of a bit of a saying of there's not a whole lot going on. And he probably yeah. didn't even say make the bread. He probably said something else. But it was more of the idea, like, you wake up, what's going to happen? And we're having a couple of texts here and we talk about the 2020 draft and where that's changed even in the yeah. last year with Stutzla and, and Byfield and Lafreniere. And then uh, I find the Hockey Hall of Fame is one of those fun debates only because of watching a lot of those players kind of when I was scouting how people feel about them now based on the stats versus what they actually were. I think that's yeah. a pretty cool subject. So that'll be something fun after we have Cheryl on just to kind of go through and, and revise. And I guess for behind the scenes, Justin, I'm sure Ottawa is no different. Uh, one of the things we did in Washington and Toronto, which could be fun or it could be downright nasty, uh, the review of a draft either a year after or two yeah. years after could yeah. tend to be a very awkward time when it came to <laughs> Those are that's the day where you wish they didn't go to they had not gone to digital <laughs> digital scouting reports yeah. that actually you had to read right where you'd yeah. kind of pull up your information and be like oh man is there an edit button on here where I can yeah. kind of slide back and change some of my thoughts on what I ended up reporting back then yeah I, uh, it was either we did some of that we did a lot of like depth charts for other teams prospects too yeah um, for sure and that was always interesting you know um yeah sometimes uh i think you rate your players a little higher than other teams at times um and it's just funny to see that come out on the back yeah end. oh it is and and <laughs> one of the things and the comments say um last week i know montreal uh, and i find Slavkowski a great discussion a great debate on how he's being handled which is actually ridiculous and anybody that's trying to justify his time in the nhl with a goal and an assist doesn't know the old fine sport ice hockey but I loved hearing the Russian scout who appears to know it all when it comes to hockey, just look at his draft record, his talking about Slavkowski. I was like, okay, listen, okay. So I, they gotta be Connor McDavid. Tell me you're like the bull by the horns. This guy, I, 
don't think that he's been on anything that has horns, like this bull and the <laughs> horns and, and how he keeps rising up. I'm like, it keeps telling me he has four goals and four assists in the finish league. Last year, he had four goals and four assists. This year, he has one plus one. Don't worry about it. He had seven shots on goal. He was the Montreal's best player. Point being, when you go to do some of these things. Now, the other thing I'll say, Justin, that bothered me big time. I never understood organizations where a guy got drafted and then that void for the CHL players between the time they got drafted and the time they turned pro, why they didn't have up-to-date reports. Like, you, you've got amateur scouts, not take away from them. You're going to a game to watch three guys, like three guys. Well, yeah. Are you telling Are you telling me you can't go and put reports on the guys that have been drafted by other teams to keep it up to date? So, like for us, what we would always be doing is any anyone that was drafted, you have to do a report on first half of the year and two in the second half, just to okay, kind of awesome, have an awesome. idea. Oh, um, yeah. Sixteen-year-olds at the start, you can kind of do a brief little one, and then in the second half, more um, okay, just yeah. about how that they come sense. along, yeah. and then the twenty-year-olds especially in the first half of the season. So like a guy like I saw Zach McEwen who en ended up signing in Ottawa oh, later yeah, on, but yeah. uh, he played in Gatineau. So, you know, okay. you, you do a report on him early on in the year and, and I actually really, really liked him. Um, if yeah, anyone saw yeah. him playing Gatineau, he was an absolute star at times. Um, okay. You know, so, so you're kind of touching all those. And then at the end of the year, you are doing your depth charts for, um, the other team's prospects that have been drafted. So you're giving them, mm -hmm. you know, you're on your rating system, whether it's one to seven, it, that, mm -hmm. that's what we were. Um, so if there are three plus or higher, that means there could an NHL player potentially. So, mm -hmm. um, you're doing all that just to kind of keep everything in line that way. If a trade comes up, like the Nick yeah. Paul trade, when we did that, yeah. I mean, yeah. I saw him play, uh, on that run, uh, for North Bay. It was their first year in North Bay as my first year scouting. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you go up and I was going up with Pierre at the time too, but we're sitting in the room, uh, the sec morning of the second day of the draft and, you know, they bring up Nick Paul's name and, and then that we go yeah. into our system and then we're looking at, my reports on him, there was, you know, I've seen him a ton. Brian was like, come on, need a little more here, Justin. Uh, the, you know, it's my first year and he was already oh, drafted, no. but yeah. I liked him. And then then yeah. I started talking about him and Pierre starts talking about him. And then we realized, yeah, that's a, this is a guy that we want in this trade, right? So, yeah. um, and then that was a good learning experience for me to make sure those drafted players mm -hmm. were, mm -hmm. uh, had reports on them just because it is important um, and, and you might not realize it until something actually happens. And I was lucky enough yeah. that that did happen yeah. my first year. So, yeah, it, it so is. And I, and I learned, you know, you learn stuff all the way along. I remember a couple of players, one in particular, uh, Jarrett Stoll, you know, I remember the scouts and Ross Mahoney who worked for us, loved Western Canadian guys. That's fine. No big deal. You have your area. But I remember the guys just raving about Jarrett Stoll. Then we're sitting at a draft and we get the memo that he's not going to be signed and they want a third round pick and the scouts are like, well, he can't skate. I'm like, well, I think we've been talking about him for two years here. That he's going to be a good NHL player. What happened? And then yeah. again, he ended up obviously going on to have a nice career. The other one that was really helpful for me, I love going to the world junior. My focus wasn't amateur scouting it was more pro side, but I still remember the world junior in, in Halifax walking in and seeing Derek Roy and seeing Brooks like, uh, who I'd never seen. And the fun part was, okay, you know what? I'll look at reports at times because of the job I have, you have, and, and this is something people should understand. Not everybody has everybody's reports. Every organization could be a little bit different on who yeah. sees what reports. And it kind of obviously filters 
up. But I love just kind of going in blind and looking at guys and figuring out, okay, who stands out? Those are the two. And sure enough, a couple of years later, when we went into a rebuild, uh, we ended up trading Peter Bonder at Ottawa, ended up grabbing him. So yeah, having those fresh, uh, up-to-date World Junior, very helpful for that as far as the high-end prospects. But I, I agree with you. Just put that work in. And why not? Like, it's fun going to the games and seeing, hey, did you miss on a guy? Is there something different that you're kind of looking at? And, yeah. um, you know, versus just focusing on it. And, and as you know, with 17-year-olds, God, there's a lot of nights you can go to a game that maybe they're <laughs> not even playing much. Yeah, and hey? they could be playing three and three. They could be dead tired. I mean, it, there's a lot of variables that go into it. So you're just, like, like I said this before on the pod, you just have to get as much information as possible so you can take a yeah. highly educated guess at it and 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 it you could think you're right and you won't be and then you could think you're mm-hmm. wrong and you end up being you know it just anything oh can happen. god yeah yeah i and and this is as i went along and i'll say this even working in radio like i become more and more confident of what i say and what i do and don't look any further than me writing off tarasenko to start the year but my god there's some stuff on twitter now a year later i'll be like come on i never wrote that (laughs) and if i did i couldn't have been sober like there's no way that i saw that at that time i'll even go back to training camp i I thought this kubalik is going to be like a stud like he looks like a player and when the discussion came of if all of a sudden they need to open up cap room between he and Branstrom and Joseph I'm like oh Joseph is garbage I mean get rid of this guy imagine and this is funny with teams and and teams are at the same way I'm sure Philadelphia right now if you called him and said we'd take Matthew Joseph for a draft pick get a draft pick back they do it in training camp it would have been an attachment of an asset isn't that amazing how quickly how quickly the how quickly the landscape can shift Justin right because there's no doubt I'm sure Philadelphia Philadelphia like well I I, there's no way we're gonna just be sucked into taking that contract now Mm -hmm. he's a guy you'd look at if you're Philadelphia one would you have traded for him do you want him two boy oh boy could you flip him out of the deadline like and I don't think for him I think this is what we saw a couple of years ago I don't feel he's going to revert back to last year because as you know Justin there's guys that have a little window and they're playing well Uh, in the case of Joseph I uh, man I I think hey this guy for whatever he did over the summer or how he figured out is right back to playing some great hockey yeah no it's good to see um and I was uh, probably on the side of maybe he's the guy that needs to go just because absolutely he's he's proven himself here and and that's what you want to see so yeah. Yeah. I found it very refreshing. And the thing I, I kind of go back to that I wonder in the back of my mind, as you're going through different moments as an athlete, and if you're trying to get to a player, you can talk to an agent at times, you can do different things. One thing you can do if it's done properly though, and it doesn't even have to be done, but I have to think last year in Pittsburgh, when he ended up sitting out that game with his family there and all the hype and all the excitement with his brother. And I know he'd run into some injuries, but there were some disciplinary things when you have a family culture. And now I wish we'd see the TV commercial. They have, we see the Kachuk one on English. They've got that. I think there had to be a little bit of a stroke to the pride, Justin, in the sense of a strike, sorry, where it was almost yeah. like, listen, you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing here in a sense of, is this not embarrassing that basically for a whole year, you just signed a new contract yeah. and it looks like he's come back. And I just wonder from a family perspective, are those little things? Cause at the end of the day, Hey, that name on the back and, and your family haven't answered questions why you're not playing uh, should strike a chord in any athlete that has a little bit of pride. Yep. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. And Cheryl's here now, so let's uh let's All right. bring her in. Bring her in. Yep. Hey Cheryl, how are, you? how are you? How are you? Good. You? I'm excellent. Say hi to Echo the dog. 
Hi, Echo. How are you doing? Oh, she's good. Yeah, she's she's a little golden doodle there. She's uh, she. Oh, well, no, no, don't be licking that bad boy. But anyway, she's she's good. She's having a little more. How are you doing, Cheryl? I'm doing great. You might be hearing my budgies because that's all we can keep alive in this household. So we oh have yeah, so that you can just put some seed down and and uh, oh and God. and leave the house fly out of the country and and come back and they are still alive. So wow, but that that must that, that 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 noise in the background must drive you to drink at a very early time of the day. Mm-hmm. If well, I had that, birds, that's pretty normal though, Simmer. So. It's, okay. Um, okay. Your body, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, this, so it, this, is, this is lemon water. I must say, no, it's oh, not, it's oh, not okay. yet. Although I do no. have the day off, so you know. Yeah. Well, that's a veteran move right there. Uh, do you find yourself, and I, I didn't go as a, I actually did in the World Junior way back, but I found as a scout, one of the cities that was so magical to go to was Stockholm. Does part of you feel like you're missing out on something? A little FOMO that everybody's over in Sweden right now and we're all sitting back in North America. And I know you're covering the games. We're just having a little talk show, but do you kind of miss from all the times with Team Canada and just everything, how cool it oh. is to have those experiences? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you're going over to Europe or, or somewhere foreign to you, it is exciting, right? And yeah. I mean, especially a city like Stockholm, right? Oh. You've got that. It's just such a vibrant city. And um, obviously, you have to remember you're not a tourist when you're there that you have a job to do. I think that's one of the biggest things. But we've had a lot of fun on those streets. Let me tell you guys, we need another hour to talk about those because, yes, the guys have a lot of fun, but but so do the women. We know, we know yeah, how to do it up just right. Um, but, yeah, a lot of great memories over in Europe. Uh, always have a couple of days off here or there to be able to see different parts of it. So, well, usually, typically when we were yeah. traveling with uh, the World Championship and now as a broadcaster, uh, when you do get your dark day, you get pretty yeah. excited about it. Yeah. I, I got to ask you, and then this is the fun part, like, <laughs> and I'm 55 years old. So when I was young, women played ringette. Yeah. But when you're on the road, <laughs> is is the, it's the same things go for the single players and for, for the lingo and everything else, all of a sudden hitting the bar after. Is oh, it just well, like what the men are like? Hockey is hockey, Simmer. Exactly. Hockey I know. I know. And, you know, we can. <laughs> I, it's funny because often I'll be talking to a bunch of the guys or we'll be on the panel and, you know, they'll they'll be talking about whether it's their their time playing or when oh, they yeah, travel. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'll chime in with something that I don't think they're expecting. And they just kind of go, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And they're yeah. like, all right, so we can just throw it all out there. now." I'm like, don't worry about me up here. Don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm good with it. So yeah, yeah. No, you know what? It's uh, I think there's so much that goes into it in terms of the chemistry of teams. We used to have this mantra, you know, those who play together, stay together and playing yeah. guilty. And all those, those phrases are, are kind of the same. They're similar. Uh, the difference was when we were playing for a national team, that was it, right? That was the yeah. pinnacle. We didn't we, we didn't have a luxury of an 82-game season where you know, we had some time here or there where we could cough up one, and it didn't really make a difference depending on where you are, of course. So for us, it, it was business when we were on the road for, for the most part, but we did we did have our moments. But in terms of the language and the chirping and the talk, and <laughs> yeah, we, we've had some good times. There's no question about it. I guess there'd also be quite a bit of familiarity with the girls. A lot of them have played in Canada, played in the United States, right? If you're playing Finland, Sweden, I don't know about Russia, but I'm assuming the intermix and familiarity, especially between the United States and Canada, right? You, you probably know them well enough to hate them even more than if you're just in a normal situation where maybe it has gotten a little bit personal because you have played against them quite a bit. Well, yeah, there's rivalry. You're always it's a heated rivalry. You're always on the ice. You know, it's the most coveted rivalry in sport, Canada, the United States. And so you're going toe to toe, but before the PWHL in particular, and even now, um, the NCAA hosted Canadians uh, and Americans for the most part. So a lot of the time, your, your teammates 
uh, who, with who you're going head to head against on the international stage. And that's quite, quite frequent in the women's game. So I remember once going to one of my teammates' uh, wedding in the United States. We were going to Vegas. Don't ask about that. And uh, we're in Vegas, and all of a sudden, a couple of the Team USA players come in, and and there's a, a small, small group. There's probably 20 of us total, just our closest friends. And I'm kind of like, what's she doing here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. with her on my my college yeah. team. And yeah. uh, so it was kind of funny uh, that there are so many relationships and close friendships uh, away from the game. But yeah, there's a lot of familiarity with the nuances of the style of what you can handle emotionally, how to get under each other's skin. So it's uh, it's it makes for a quite competitive environment, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, now, that, now that the women's game is growing, are you noticing kind of like how we see in the men's that more international women are attending NCAA schools? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the scouting system has certainly changed as, as well within the women's game. And, and a lot of the NCAA uh, scouts, coaches are out and about, certainly at world championships, international events. But a lot of the time, too, the Europeans, some do elect to, to come into North America uh, we've seen it with Nella Pushinova, who's playing at Bishop Kearney right now. So you know that she will be uh, at an American university, no question about it. But certainly we've seen, I've seen some players come over from Russia into youth sport uh, where they get their look. So, and then they wind up at a university school. So there's, there's, there's lots of different ways in which the avenues are changing, but certainly as the grassroots grow as the international game grows as there's more eyes on it naturally there's more scouting eyes on it as well and the under 18 world championship has also helped with that so sweden coming into the fold playing against canada in the most recent world championship at that level all of a sudden you're seeing young players like mir yangakar and she's still young enough so mm -hmm. scouts got eyes on her right she's recently mm -hmm. signed so you want to make sure that you know, you know what's coming in, but I think these events are certainly, certainly helping um, that the international players, you know, find their home if they want to come play uh, every day with the resources available to them to be able to develop. And traveling to those different countries, Cheryl, I'm sure that in Sweden, a little bit easier because the mentality of, I, I think they've done a great job with women's sports, sports historically. Finland's pretty good. Get into Central Europe, I always wondered, hey, if you're in the yeah. Czech Republic, are you going to play ice hockey? Part of this for in a young age must be the infrastructure of having still something to play. Unlike here, here in Canada, it's incredible, right? You can find a great game, great league. You don't have to travel. And of course, the NCAA for years, forget about hockey. I mean, how many male and female athletes on an international have they developed over the years? I mean, that's got to be a huge help in growing the game. Oh, it, it, it's huge. And you look at you know, men's programs that are flourishing in certain countries, whether it's Sweden or Finland, and, and you certainly mm -hmm. there, you'll start to see their women's programs start to flourish as well. Uh, but I mean, if I look around, honestly, Summer, I mean, I'm coaching in the game and I could probably throw a baseball and hit, hit a hockey team. You know, like that's how many there are around us. And so we're- I'm gonna really, write that down. I'm gonna throw yeah. a baseball. And yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you don't know my arm. I, no. I got a good one. I, you know, you got oh. another, yeah. I, I like it. But <laughs> yeah, it's that's like awesome. On, you feel like almost on every corner that there's, you know, whether there's, there's girls in the streets or whether, you know, playing, you know, picking up a stick, not as much as they used to, because obviously there isn't as much road hockey anymore because just mm -hmm. everything is so regulated. There's just so much on ice hockey and development mm -hmm. that I think in some ways it's taken away from that sort of free for all 
play. Uh, yeah. But certainly, I know with the, the women that I coach, you know, I can travel, like I said, I can probably travel 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I'm playing on top tier teams. Um, so it's been a luxury. So where we are, uh, I'm in the Mississauga corridor. So in that GTA, all the, anywhere from say London, all the way to Ottawa, there's, yeah. there's just, uh, just so many, mm-hmm. so many women's teams and all levels, which is critical, right? Because passion doesn't just come from the highest level, you can play any level and you love it. Oh, so exactly. that's what it's all about. Uh, thoughts on the uniforms, because uh, we have to be, Yeah, I find myself, I was saying to Justin earlier, it's kind of funny because if you come on, you want to be positive. I'm thrilled they're having a pro league. And then I saw a comment right below was like, come on, they got, and a bunch of people were kind of a bit negative. And I was like, okay, it was kind of cool because to me, the whole part of having sports and being taken seriously is that it can be critiqued. Uh, what was your thought on the very, would I be right in saying very generic look that we're seeing early on with the different teams? Yeah, and I want to be positive as well because I'm so <laughs> I know, excited I know. about the PWHL. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I do, I do understand some of the commentary around them. So at first glance, I'm like, okay, there's an original <laughs> feel to them. Yeah. So that's you know that's good. So Montreal and uh, you know that that feel, the simplicity. But then there's this other side, and I know that that's <laughs> going to be an inaugural jersey, right? So this is an inaugural jersey. There will be another jersey. Uh, yeah, but yeah. from a branding perspective, from an opportunity to have your logo, your team name, have sort of everyone who's galvanized by it or your fans to be able to purchase it and get excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little taken aback by it. It certainly, um, you know, wouldn't, it's, it's not my first choice, but certainly yeah. I think that, I think they're giving themselves an opportunity to get it right. And I'm on a call later this afternoon that will oh, probably yeah, yeah. touch on, on sort of uh, what's gone on with that. Um, but yeah, I think it's everything from logos um, and finding ways, obviously, to, to, um, to brand and making sure that they've done it right. And of course, passing all of the legal requirements to, to have that happen. So, yeah. So, I mean, again, the authenticity, the originality, or sorry, not the originality, the Mm -hmm. simplicity. I'm like, okay, I can get behind that, but that can't be it, right? So, I'm really hoping that that next wave of Jersey comes in and people are like, yes, that's it. And that's their name. And there's the brand. There's the logo. (laughs) Because that is certainly missing right now. Yeah, I agree. And and Justin and I were just throwing around. I think, Justin, you agreed. Just a great idea also once the fans get in there. Part of yep. it's probably the idea to to get interactive and allow them to decide what the logo is going to look like. Well, and I think that would be great because really selling the sport is is getting butts in the building and yeah. having that interaction. And I think once you get that interaction, it's it's like any building that has a really good vibe in it. Give them a piece of it, right? Give your fan base a piece of it and ownership and that community. And I think that it goes a long way. So I'm hoping that there's sort of that influence there as as well as as we push further through this because that's going to be a huge piece and element for these women and and for the league itself do you think people have any idea i was fortunate enough to to work in the nhl but also ran an american league team worked with the east coast hockey league and the minute i see a new franchise a new league anything do you think i don't think people have any idea all of the infrastructure and all the things that have to go into place where you're now welcoming professional athletes this isn't just showing up for a training camp you're talking about a place to practice place to play equipment uh where are you going to live how are you going to make this go and then the other thing i look at and i see ottawa's playing minnesota which is kind of the outlier when it comes to yeah. travel like it's a lot uh cheryl to put this together logistically and again you want to be felt good you don't want to all of a sudden hey just want to let you know there we're taking the old greyhound out to minnesota but we're going to have to leave two days early. It's going to be like the well, Western Hockey it, League. Right? 
Yeah, yeah, we're going to give ourselves a week for travel, everybody, and pack your snacks. Um, yeah. yeah, no, exactly. And there, there's so much that that has gone into this behind the scenes, and I'm not even privy to half of it. I mean, I see the surface level stuff and just know how long they fought for this opportunity so that all of these pieces, whether it's a CBA, all of this had to be in place. And you talked about the women coming off the rivalry series. We just got back uh, from L.A. through the red eye, God help me. And, um, you know, they're they're changing cities now they're relocating they're moving well this hasn't happened before in the women's game where you're now all of a sudden entrenched in a new city you're entering a training camp there's been a draft uh now there's obviously the signings free agent signings are happening there's waivers happening some time frames coming evaluations are happening so intermix this all with new gms uh new gms to the business older ones who have more experience coaches and and you're adding all of this on top of everything else you know you your communications your marketing everything else your scouting uh so it is just one massive undertaking and i think in terms of sort of the branding and all of those elements and pieces whether it's the legal issue and elements that they've got to get by with their branding um and their logos or whether it's just making sure that they get it right because you get one opportunity to really yeah. give that official brand a launch and so they that then there's pressure there i think there's a lot of pressure on that next jersey and the branding and the logoing so they want to get it right but you're right i mean the infrastructure and what it takes to put this together together let alone just the, mm. you know having brains behind it to, to try and put a team together with roster construction that you think can win it completely different and 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 also they listen it's not just about roster construction it's also listen oh we need we need a key marketable piece so we gotta you know we gotta bring in people and so you got it there's a whole whirlwind of um you know different different things going on that to even make it happen before they step foot on the ice at early glance how is the Ottawa team looking oh you got carla mcleod there i, <laughs> I like her. you know she's she's a competent coach and i think that she thinks she can uh, elevate anyone's play and uh, i believe that she can i think she's a brilliant hockey mind uh and i think that her and michael hirschfeld will, will work will work well together and and the thing with carla is she really gets the best out of her athletes she has this uncanny ability to really drive play with them but have a demand of excellence within her structure. So she's a very free coach, but then she demands. So I'm really excited to see her work. Now you have someone like Brianne Jenner and Emmerich Mashmeyer. So those two players and Emily Clark are these three players just, you know, they've been pinnacles, foundational players for the national team. So you're starting right there with really good pieces, pieces that provide leadership. I think Carla was likely looking for uh, pieces that she knew could play on two sides of the puck pieces that could rally her dressing room in times, as you know, through adverse uh, climate, you learn the most about yourself as an athlete in your group. And I think she knows that those are players that can weather any kind of storm. And when you have foundational pieces, you can build around it because they're, they're your core. And I think that uh, they're, they're looking pretty good. I think Boston is going to be tough guys. So that's your, that's your power rank, your power ranking. You got Boston number one. Yeah, I would have Boston right now as my yeah. my power ranking, uh, just because they've got some incredible um, transitional players there. You know, you got the likes of a Megan Keller, and you know someone who's just unbelievable on the back end, Hillary Knight. You know the names continue on there, but for me, I, I do think that they will be uh, be contenders as well. But I do believe, like this is anyway, you're you're looking at an original six, man. Anyway, yeah. anything can happen. <laughs> anything can happen. Anything yeah. can happen, and so. Really excited to see how it how it all unfolds and really how how they mesh together. 
I'm sure when it came together, the New York Rangers didn't think they'd go 60 years about winning a Stanley Cup in a 16 league, right? <laughs> you probably thought, you know what? And the other part, if you got it wrong, it probably took you decades to try to figure it out. Uh, to that, Cheryl, I was fortunate enough to play a little bit in the IHL of all places, Fort Wayne, Indiana, which was so cool. And then I played in Baltimore, uh, which was a non-hockey place, but it would be pretty funny because once in a while we'd have that mall signing uh, where you'd, oh, show up, show, you'd show up at a mall, <laughs> first of all, in a city like Baltimore, it's people are looking at you like... Who, who are these? Who are, we did that, oh, that every game. Oh, my God. And, and I remember going to a golf tournament. A golf tournament had the Ravens players and the Oriole players. And I'm just sitting there looking. And I'm going to be one of the so-called uh, and celebrity is just an it's a fill-in. And a poor group that sees Cal Ripken and other people. <laughs> and then they realize, I'm going to go back to the point, though. That's the other part of this, Cheryl. And I'm sure you did it for many years. These girls are coming in. They may be hockey players, but you get her better get used to be a salesperson, too, right? Because that's going to be your biggest attraction to get people to come out to the games. Well, yeah. And, and they believe that once they do, they'll stay. And yeah. so that's why you got to get out there and do the work. And the women have never been afraid of that. I mean, when you see after a, a league game, which the former CWHL and Marie-Philippe Poulin is out in the in the lobby signing autographs it, yeah. for for the the kids that have come to watch play. It's it's there, right? And and that's always been a product of of the women's game because you've known you had to sell it. And the idea here is that at some point that can change in terms of it's an isolated thing where you know you get a couple of athletes because they they're focusing on what they need to do and that is play in that game and cool down and do everything that they need to do. But in the process, yeah, are you going to see? Uh, a bunch of the women in Ottawa out and about, you might see school visits, you might see, yeah. right, all of those different oh, elements man. that can bring and rally people, men, women, grandpas, grandmas, whoever it might be into that game, into the fold, because, you know, they believe in their product. So they'll get out there and they will do the work. And I think it'll be strategic. Uh, yeah. uh, but I do think that it, it will happen. And and Simmer, I've got a funny story for you because yeah. you know that celebrity word is is <laughs> it's funny because when I was playing stay at home defender, right? So yeah. only time I made the highlight reel was when someone walked around me and roofed it, right? So there was no yeah. goal to be had. And I got asked to go to a golf tournament as a celebrity guest, which of course I am crap. Okay, I'm a crap golfer. And then I get mad, so I just start buying rounds. So I hope just to get them as drunk as possible so they don't see me hit the ball or whiff, shall I say. So I'm I'm dreading this one uh, tournament because, you know, they're long. I'm terrible. Oh. Oh so I, 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 it's the longest day up. waiting on the tee. <laughs> I decide I'm going to send a very clear message right away. So I okay. grab three clubs, my three iron, a putter, and a pitching wedge. Okay. Oh, whoa. I grab it. And I literally put them in like one of those old grocery bags. I put a pair of running <laughs> shoes on and I walk up to my foursome. Just like I'm shit. Yeah. No, no, that's there a sign. That's a sign you're a PGA, a LPGA pro. Well, this right? is the problem. So then in my bio, unbeknownst to me, in my bio, I shit you not, it says Cheryl Pounder. Gold. Sorry. Golf medal world champion. Oh. <laughs> no. So not gold medal, type oh. oh. So you're coming in not as like the long driver. Hey? Can we be and honest so though when it comes to hockey and golf with a last name like Pounder? Yeah. Like you, you must you should be whaling that thing like 300 yards. Well, I, I can one out of every 12. <laughs> okay. 
yeah. and then you know so then they're they're like oh you're a ringer oh you're a ringer and then well, <laughs> we got yeah. to we got to the bottom of that one quickly but no it's uh so yeah that was my story and i remember being mortified i'm i'm pleading with him it's not i'm not a golf world champion like yeah <laughs> it's hockey. Well, <laughs> well, and, and that's the fun part. You get out with people. They don't care at the end of the day. Let's shift over to the little National Hockey League. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think the part in here, we're hanging on every word in Ottawa and what happens. I found it interesting, and I kind of related it to national teams of going to a place and have a little getaway. You know, and a bonding thing I can kind of understand from a sense perspective. Justin touched on earlier, like the East Coast teams are no fun anymore. Like, you don't even stay overnight. Like, you used to have the yeah. old, hey, you come in a night early, you're kind of tame, but you win a game, you go out, you have fun, the guys are home. So I get the bonding I just was a little taken aback. And again, for poor DJ Smith, he can't say anything at this point that people aren't going to jump all over. But this idea that technically they were going to find their game in Stockholm, I think it just had a lot of fans either, okay, well, you better show it when you're there or you better show it when you get back. Thoughts on what you've seen so far into the season and what they need to do to become, as we keep talking about, trying to be a, just a, cleaning up the game a little bit, playing a little more properly. Well, yeah, and... I don't think, you know, you don't clean up your game overnight unless your yeah. game is clean and you're just making mistakes. There's a difference. Yeah. So for me, when you're, when you're connected as a group, you know, you don't always have to be connected up as a group off the ice. As we know, you can be respect, you, you can have respect within that locker room and, 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 and call each other out and, and, and you can be magnificent on the ice or, you know, you can get along all swimmingly and be shit. So again, yeah. it's, it depends on how, how you, how you come together for me. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes there are bonding moments that do, do translate the human side of performance do do translate to the ice because maybe you're more aware of, you know, uh, wanting your teammates instinctually to be successful so that 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 leads to better support on puck or or maybe your first few steps are a little quicker because you got more jump because you're feeling better off the ice so i i do think there's a re relative relationship between performance uh confidence all those kind of things if you're already structurally sound and and yeah. know know what you're doing right so like you have yeah. whereas i feel like with the senators sometimes and especially i did one of their games at the beginning of the season I was marking all of these clips. I thought, oh, this defensive structure looks so much better. And then the third period went to shit. And I was like, yeah. well, where did it go? Like, how yeah. is it just going to fall off? So is it a fluke on one side? Because it's too consistent for, for it to be a fluke. So for me, yeah. it's it's collective right now. It's, yeah. it's collective um, from the forward group tracking back, which has always been my biggest thing. And I think – because the game has changed so much, I think because defense activates so much, the yeah. tracking back can be chaotic at different times. Um, so communication is, is a key piece and a, a real understanding of the game. Yeah. So for me, that's that's another element. But I think it, it does start a lot of the time in the offensive zone. Um, and then it works its way back. And, and when you have structure on the entry, typically you, you're then in a structured spot and you can yeah. work off that. But when you don't start structured, then you see the difficulty mm -hmm. lean in. And I'll throw out a theory and I guess a question for both of you. My thought on this, Cheryl, when you go through it, and I think great times, and I've done comparables. I've talked about L.A. How can you contrast what L.A. is able to accomplish when you have Talbot and Corpus Allo? But I'll go back to opening night. And this is a theory when you play properly, you don't play properly. When you have energy, and Carolina didn't come out and play that well, but Ottawa looked great. And I was like, wow, in the first five or six games, you're getting off to great starts. 
But when you don't have the proper habits in place, the minute you become the fatigued hockey team, all of a sudden you revert back to that. So there's that portion. And then quite simply, I think we see it. And, and I don't mind the interacting of players on the Sens when they're a little bit upset, but I don't think there's a trust level. I'll ask you first, Cheryl, and then over to you, Justin. But in a sense, Cheryl, that nobody is trusting to do their own job because they don't know what the other person's doing. So that just adds to the chaos where you're trying to do two things at one time. Yeah, and you only get that from having success in those areas, right? Yeah. Uh, trust when you're. I, I I attribute that, and I agree with you because you see it at all levels. You see it minor hockey. You see it at the NHL level. That if 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 you don't trust that you know your your high forwards tracking and pulling back, or you don't trust that you're you got that support down low uh, as a defenseman, or, or you don't right, you're you're not sure where to go because you don't yeah. know if you're going to have to cover. And then once once that happens you're in trouble because you're hesitating. You hesitate in this league. It is way too fast to be able to regain stick position, a stick, because a seam opens up and that's part of the game. If you open up a cross seam pass back door, you're, you're in trouble quickly um, because you're, you become outnumbered by a hesitation. And so you can see that. And so trust for me is, is, is part of buy-in and buy-in and trusting structure and, and trusting plan. And whether you like it or not, the, there's certain areas of the game that I think you have to be structured in. Uh, that being said, the game is full of reads. So you have to be smart on both sides of the puck to be able to get yourself to those spots to get the puck. And, and, and I think that's an issue too sometimes. Like when I look at the roster construction, which is something I'm constantly kind of kind of looking at with this group, yeah. um, you know, I'm like, is it right? Is it not right? You know, so again, finesse galore when they have it, when they're possessing it, when they're owning it. Um, but when the mistakes are happening, how do they recover from them? One and, and two, when they're just coming back, like how that happens. But I agree with you. You have to have trust to be able to to play your position and then you help when it doesn't happen. But you're in a better position to help when you're all starting from a structured position anyway. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Same it's, thoughts, Justin? Yeah, I just think with a with a, a lack of accountability at times too that these things don't get fixed. So so you have that mistrust a little because they're you know you're not getting sat down to fix those issues. So I think that it comes back to that as well. Well, I yeah, think, no. and that's 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 you know coaches need to to hold their yeah. players accountable. And there's a there's a great phrase or uh, you know something that I've used before that you know true growth can only happen when you take ownership. And when certain people are accountable and take that ownership and you wear it and you weather it, other people see it and buy into it as well. Because excellence is, is habits. It's having the skill, but the execution piece comes from that demand. Um, and so yeah, you're not going to have a, a great 82 games where everyone's firing on all cylinders and it's amazing. Like, <laughs> a of course full not, 60. Right? A full 60, guys, you know? <laughs> but but you, when you recognize you don't have it some games, how do, you, how do you find something that can still get a W? How, yeah, how do you find How do you find something that you know you put in the effort on the other side of the puck if it's not working on one side and so you got to find a game within that game that is going to help your team be successful and find a way to win those games and um that seems to be the piece that they're missing because when they're firing and the puck's moving like mm -hmm. 
it's it's all working. It, it, that, that's easy. That those are the easy moments in, in a season. The the tough moments in a season are when you're not feeling it, when you're lagging, and and how you mm -hmm. get it. And I don't know if it's a maturity of understanding how you find that as an individual, mm -hmm. but you know, because it's got a it's it's got a ricochet down the lineup, right? It's got a ricochet because that's how yeah. you create that little bit of a wave that can get you through it. But again, the trust the support, the habits on the other side of the puck, they all they all are part of that. Yeah, I think we'll find out pretty quickly here as well. You had October, November, very favorable schedule. You come back from Sweden, adjustment. Uh, final question for you, I guess thoughts on, and this is kind of the quagmire. Do you have any idea what to expect out of Ottawa? Because I kind of put out the thing when I looked at the schedule for the two games in Sweden, I think the three or four when they return. I'm like, listen, give me a call here when they win six or seven in a row because I also look at the division, Cheryl, and think this thing is wide open. I mean, I even expect Boston at some point to come back to earth. You know what I mean? And I, I watch Toronto. I watch Tampa, uh, Florida, Buffalo, Detroit go through the whole league. And I think, hey, Ottawa, there's no reason they shouldn't be right in the mix with that crew. Well, no, and they shouldn't be. And there's so many different elements. I and mean, we could talk for three hours about it, right? About yeah. the recognition, whether it's their structure. To me, it's like, I, you know, I think they can possess more. And when they do, because I don't, I don't know if they're heavy enough always to be just down below the goal mm -hmm. line. Um, so, so for me, I, this is a group that can win. And we saw it the other night on Saturday night, like McCorpusalo makes some saves to start. I mean, I think they had 18 high danger chances against them and Calgary did. And that was more than Ottawa had. And so you get a few saves and that it bolsters it it bolsters that energy too. So you do you do need a timely save. You need you need different elements to be able to get through and weather a storm. I think that they're gonna be successful in their first game. Uh, I think coming off a win, I think getting over to Europe, I think having um you know, for a lot of those young guys that, you know, it's, it's, it could be eyes wide open or it could be like, yeah, this is it. You know, there could be a, there could be an energy. They're young, maybe can handle, um, you know, different elements of that as well. So I do think that when they play fast and I would love to see them on, on international ice, but that's not the case here. Um, I'm, I'm actually torn on that guys. I don't know whether I would like to see them on international ice or whether I would, because they have the puck could be real good, but when they don't, yeah. Yeah, it could be scary. I, I watched I watched enough 200 by 100 hockey personally over the years to realize that it, it I found it to be in, in Sweden of all places, the Globe and Arena is where it originated. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of it. Cause I also thought Cheryl from that standpoint i remember yager talking about your players coming off the half wall to try to get to the net or even down low man it just turns into basically a zone defense and and people i don't think people realize how far and how hard it is to actually take the puck to the net well yeah and if you're if you're if you're a defender like if you're a defenseman like it, well it, i mean you're all playing defense when you're in zone so uh, yeah you know whether you're defense or what it doesn't matter but yeah, no, like it is so far. There is so much room to be able to walk off your gap, the width of the ice, uh, you know, when, when you're exposed, if you're not an extreme agile skater. Uh, and, and with the game today, because the east-west opening up seams, skating off the puck, skating away from the net to attack the net. I mean, imagine in zone when it's that much bigger, guys turning and skating away from it just to, to create seams. Yeah. Like it's... Yeah. It's uh, it's it's nuts in that coverage. So I, I'm yeah. glad it's on a standard size ice. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Was, glad it, was it was the women's game the same for the yeah. men? One of the things that I think Justin could say from a scouting standpoint, one of the things that was really had to be careful was was judging the defenseman on the forecheck. You had some of these guys that had played on the two by one hundred. You're like, oh man, this guy's so good. And then he comes to North America. All of a sudden, oh. he's taking contact off the forecheck, and you're like, what the hell happened to the guy? I know, and that's true. Well, and think about the room behind the net. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, that's that's. You can bring a, your whole family back there. Bring your whole family and have a picnic back there, right? <laughs> so, so I think that that's another thing where, um, yeah, just it's it's such a it, it changes the game completely. Like yeah. a lot of people don't know when we were training for Salt Lake City in 02, we we were losing a lot of games to the Americans, but when we, when we got to Salt Lake, right, that it made a, it made a big difference that we were on standard. And, and, uh, you know, it, that's, 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 a, was a huge thing for us. You looked at Italy in 06 and the ice, you know, for the guys, it was just, it seems huge. So, you know, there's so many different ways you could, you can look at it, but it certainly yeah. completely, completely changes the game. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's much harder for defenders. Um, the, the world's your oyster. If you're, if, if, if you're a forward in that, in that realm, uh, and, and of course, the senators are, are quick, and they can they can lead to some very generous puck movement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter for me that the play when they're moving that puck can't die on their stick as much as it has been um, when they're possessing. So absolutely, well, much appreciated. Uh, love having you on. I'm certainly we'll talk again. But I know every time you come on the Sens coverage, how much everyone appreciates a a new look, a fresh look. And like I said, everyone's excited about the hockey team. So hopefully, a couple of good wins. Much appreciate the time, and we'll catch up with you pretty soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. All right. I think we should dive into some questions. I think we have a, a bunch right now. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, let's fire that up. We were actually, we were talking. This is one of the great things about uh, talk radio, or I guess should say podcasts. Uh, it doesn't have to be. We were going to dive into the Hall of Fame class and the heavy debate yeah. on next year, 2024. I had my little list of who isn't in, and then we were going to talk about the 2020 draft and do a hard breakdown. But I think we'll do a few questions today, yeah. Justin. Maybe talk maybe about a couple of things, including well, Edmonton. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah. yeah, that'll be yeah. a nice juicy topic for right. Wednesday, which is another All day right. off. So let's here a few questions here and thank you very much for all the interaction for everybody i don't see the comments so justin's okay. going to read as them and ottawa, uh, we'll go from there yeah. as ottawa yeah. center fans are we more likely to be watching the playoff race or the race for the top pick this year well, I think it'll be the playoff race, Justin. When I look at the Ottawa Senators, I mean, my, oh, my. I'd be a little shocked if all of a sudden it turns that bad that they're talking about it. Now, this would be an interesting discussion as we get towards a trade deadline. When you look at what has happened with Ann Lauer, and when I look at a situation of trying to get to a playoff spot, you got a circumstance here where you have Tarasenko and Kubalik are going to be unrestricted free agents. What do you do with them at the trade deadline? But there's no doubt the mandate, and we're so early into the season, Justin, don't know how you feel, but my feel is, hey, this team is totally focused on trying to make a playoff spot as we approach mid-November, we're into mid-November. Yeah, I'm I'm completely on board with that as well. So um, I think yeah. a couple wins here, they're right back in the thick of things and uh, anything could happen here. Yeah, and, and as and for people, I guess kind of the regroup, remember, and they have the pick from Detroit. Uh, I don't expect the Detroit pick. I don't expect them to make the playoffs. Boston will come back, but chances are Boston's going to be a bottom third. So you're going to have your own pick. You're going to have the Detroit pick. And then when you look at the loss of the pick with the dirty daddy deed, uh, we'll have to figure out there you're not going to have a lot. So you want to try to put some of these in the bank. But as I said, I don't think this is once again the one where you're looking to the draft. And we'll have lots of time to talk about the draft down the road. But for right now, all systems go to try to make the playoffs for the Ottawa Senators. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Next one. Uh, what, if any, changes do the Sens need to make to the roster to be serious playoff contender? Well, um, when you go ahead, Justin. Yeah, no, I think like they're still early on in their building towards that being a, a serious contender. So I think, I think, mm-hmm. you know, each year they should get better as they get older. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would be looking for um, a bigger, harder defense. Um, if you could add someone in there in like that four spot, um, I think that would make a big difference. Also, um, something little, but like, you know, once 
once Pinto's back and Greg comes back, it's a little easier to stomach. But I think uh, just a, a hard center iceman on that fourth line that could, you know, mm-hmm. play play in those tougher situations if need be. Um, you know, they have some skill up front on the top lines, but I think if you have that, you can supplement that with a, with a harder fourth line center. I don't think your fourth line needs to be paid a lot, but I think if you're going to have one guy on there, um, a center iceman um, that could, uh, could move up through your lineup if need be. Um, but, you know, he goes out, like, I'm thinking like a guy like, you know, Sammy Paulson, these types of guys yep. that, you know, oh, just nice. you know yeah, I <laughs> like that. Yeah. Nice so guys third, that have, third line for Anaheim back in the yeah, day when they yeah, won the cup, exactly. of course. Yeah. And, and I think those guys are maybe more on your, fourth line now if you can but that can play up through your lineup yeah. so so i think getting bigger on the back end and and then some a, a guy like that that can really mm-hmm. just you could throw him out at any point and and a, a yeah. coach's dream and maybe pinto becomes that too but uh yeah, yeah. no and and it, you go through to me justin if you want to critique the 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 roster i look to okay when you're fully healthy what do you have in place yeah. the phases are you're trying to go into a rebuild you start to put some of your pieces in place and and this is where and again, you have to be so careful nowadays when you make your bed with long-term contracts for the most part. When you get into the high sevens, the eights, you get into multi-year deals, you're going to kind of make your bed with that crew. So if I go through Ottawa and I want to critique and look at it, if you were to forecast to be in a playoff team, is a combination of Stutzla and Norris going to be good enough? Is Norris with a lack of size that natural spot? Personally, I'd like yeah. maybe a little bit more size in that. But generally with what's set, what's in place, by the time Pinto and Greg come in, I look at the forward group. If Kubalik slides out, I think one of the big decisions they'll have to look at, what do you do with the Tarasenko situation? And, and to me, it's too premature. Uh, I've in, been impressed with what he's done, but I would never look at multi-year deals at his age along with Claude Giroux trying to build a 1-2 on the right side with that. So that part is something. Um, try to improve the depth. There's not a ton coming through. Yeah, and yeah. as you pointed out on the other side, hey, in a perfect world, and I don't know about Thomas Schwatt based on the dollars and the contract, would I like a bigger body in with Chickren and a right-hand shot? Absolutely. Would I like Clevin in the five spot and then somebody mixing in with some size, a big space eater there? Absolutely. So those are all critiques. And then you'll go to, and I think it has to be Corpus Allo at the end of the day, wasn't great with LA, doesn't have a ton of playoff experience, is a good goaltender. Is he good enough to get to the playoffs as a tandem? I think they are. Can you win with him in the playoffs? We have not seen that yet. So to me, that's a little bit of a checklist of what you go through. And then you also, as you know, Justin, and and you know from being around it, both with your late great-grandfather, your dad, your uncle, it is amazing as well when you go into certain years where quite simply you do get the matchup or you don't. And you can go into and be great teams like Detroit back in the day or Ottawa and unfortunately, the matchup, and then this is a part in the summertime. Then everyone in the in the in the office gets all fired up. Well, we got to change our team completely versus sticking with your philosophy and understanding. Hey, it might take a lot of time with Detroit, right? It might not be perfect, but if you believe, I thought the Caps did that way back in the day when they lost to Montreal and Havlick, where it was all of a sudden. Listen, you thoroughly outplayed the team. You're the better team. But then they just completely changed the mentality of their hockey club. Now, they did regroup and finally win a cup in 2018. So that's a little checklist from the Ottawa Centers. What's up next yeah. in the mailbag? Do you guys see the Senators winning a Stanley Cup with this core of players in the next three years? 
Uh, I'll go yeah. first on this one. I, I, I would say the window has opened for them to be a playoff hockey team. Uh, as far as the maturation to players, I do think a lot of guys are hitting to their prime right now, Justin. I think the upside would be in a Pinto uh, to a Greg, mature uh, Norris as he gets a little more comfortable. But to me, Kachuk and Stutzla, um, excellent hockey players. They've entered into their prime. It's going to be a long window. I don't think it's far-fetched with the core and what they have that a three-year window, with it obviously being a little bit latter, a little bit more towards the third year. But no, I absolutely believe that their core. The question will be, quite simply, is this group on paper enough to win a Stanley Cup? I don't believe it is. So there's going to have to be some hard decisions yeah. made. There's going to have to be some things happen, you know, to really kind of take it to the next level and, and be serious about a cup. But as far as a core, the part that they failed, unfortunately, each summer here for a number of years, the augmentation and obviously now cap going up and they'll have the five million off the books from the buyouts and some of the other money. Yeah, every dollar, Justin, being spent going forward here is going to be absolute key, yeah. just like a Tampa Bay. And, and I'll use kind of Detroit or uh, New Jersey as a model of what we've seen lately out of them. Yeah, I think they're on the right track. Um, and this is where the teams go from. Can you are you just going to be a playoff team to a contender with a smart moves? And uh, I think with this owner and and group, um, we're, we're on the right track. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Next. Oh, they got a little bit of, oh, here we go, here we yeah. go, here we go. Oh. My question to Simmer and Justin yeah. is at what point did the Sens pull the trigger on firing DJ after the Sweden trip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I, I, it's all going to be dependent on do they win or not, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. do, I think, do I think that they need to and will they have to at some point? For sure. Um, yeah. But it, I think it's going to be up to how they're playing. Um, so if they go on a good run here, I think they're going to have to stick it out, unfortunately, and they'll probably maybe look back, look around in the off season. Then, if that's the case, um, but uh, if there's a, a string of losses here, I think you can. We'll see them go quickly. I, I believe. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess on my summary to the fan and to anybody talking out there, I don't think there's a plan in place right now. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not talking about it behind the scenes, no. uh, but I'm not necessarily sure that they lose a couple of games, that they end up in Sweden. All of a sudden, they're going to fire the coach. I, I don't think there's a timetable. I think with what has happened here with Pierre Dorian being gone, Steve Steos coming in, uh, I think that he's just kind of tr trying to look around. You got Alfie there. I, I get the sense that everybody's kind of in DJ's corner, wants him to do well. So as to what a plan B is, when it could happen, how it would happen. Yeah, as I said, I, I don't have a gut feel on that whatsoever. As you said, it's a results oriented business. And at what point, and even as a management group, and this would really come from an owner that is not necessarily going to run hockey operations, but you know, Ann Lauer is a fan. And would you have said, listen, Here's kind of a mark of just as an executive running any business, Justin, here's the checks and balances. Why don't we go to Sweden as a group, see what we can do? And why don't we, after spending time and being around the group and being around the coaches, and if we continue in a positive way, why don't we just continue along? And if we don't, or we feel like, hey, we don't like what we're seeing, then you have to start putting some plans into place. And that will segue. We'll talk at the end, yeah. you know, no, with what happened with ha what happened in Edmonton. What's you that? say he's a, you say is he's a fan, but like that's what he's saying in the media. We don't we aren't privy to that. Any he, he's a business guy. He's gonna be taking care of stuff on the back end. So yeah. he's gonna say that in, in in public, obviously. But we don't know. He could easily you know have be doing stuff on the back end on the you know behind the scenes, ensuring that if anything does go wrong, he's ready yeah. because he strikes me as a smart smart businessman that's built his way up. 
I think he's going to be prepared for all anything that happens. Yeah, and also what the inner circle is. And this is one of the things, yeah. and we'll get on to Edmonton yeah, at the end right. here, just talking about, hey, if you are making a change, you keep it in a very small circle. The last thing you want is DJ Smith getting whispers. And then who's the player, the person going to be? And if it's not internal, um, yeah. just like the Edmonton Oilers touched on, you've got to go and get in contact with somebody else. So I get the yeah. sense, as I said, they're trying to keep it together. They're trying to show confidence in DJ Smith. So I don't have any gut feel or any answer. Uh, I'm just basically going day to day with the temperature of the yeah. uh, of the fans. No, 100%. Also, uh, while we wait on our next question, if you are watching on YouTube or Facebook, give us a give us a subscribe, please. Um, that helps us uh, grow the brand. And yeah. from Nico Simmer, I would love your thoughts on the sh on a Shabbat trade. I would like to bring in a Mark the Thought right D. Any thoughts? Uh, that'd be outstanding, um, you know, and again, in, in trying to find the fit, and you guys were lucky to find the fit when Mark Mathot got traded out, you ended up having uh, Felino as a situation, but this particular case, that's not an easy thing to end up doing, so uh, we'll see. In a perfect world, would you like a right-handed defenseman that's making four and a half, five million bucks? Sure. Uh, do I think that that would be something I'd examine, or the new group along with Batherson and some of the other things? Hey, when you got a fresh slate and you come in, Justin, as you know, we have no idea what the conversations are. I'm sure they love Brady and they love Stutzla and Sanderson and how you feel about the rest of the players, the contracts, what everybody's doing. But yeah, I think a right-handed shot in that spot and quite simply for Thomas Shabbat guys, uh, an inflated salary going up to 10 million an AAV of 8 million. If he's not going to run your power play might be your third option offensively. And you're looking for him to be a defensive D I don't really know what that is. And then I guess I'll also say, Justin, I I'm assuming you can get some pretty good value for him, but I also wouldn't pretend to know uh, what the trade value would be on it. What is a, a large contract? You're bringing Thomas Shabbat in to be a number one, right? You're not bringing mm -hmm. him in for anything yeah. else based on that payday. Yeah. All right. We'll do another one. Justin, you're approximately the same size as Timmy Stutzel. It seems like Stutzel is getting pounded out there. What's Timmy's best way around this? Well, um, I think adding Matt Nichols is going to help. Uh, I think what they had there already is going to be, uh, was good, but adding a fresh mind in there is a good thing. Um, I think this, I it might sound crazy, but just getting so much stronger. And, and sometimes that is a beach body workout. I, when you, when you work out in the NHL in the off season, it's to prevent injury. But I think some of these smaller guys, the best thing they can do is just get as strong and heavy as possible. Now that mm -hmm. comes with age, obviously. Um, and, and we're seeing it with some guys in the NHL, like Elias Pedersen, it took time. Um, so, so it's going to be a mix of time and also, um, your philosophy on, on, on how you work out. So um, you, you don't see those big bulky guys anymore. They're more lean like soccer players, but I think mm -hmm. for some of these guys that, that strength changes everything in your game, it changes your shot, your puck possession, your ability to win battles, your confidence, everything that you do strength plays yeah. a part. And, and I was a, I was a, a weak kid early on. And, and I remember going to the gym and it, after one year, it, it completely changed the makeup of my mm -hmm. game. Um, yeah. And that, that's just a guy, you know, playing junior hockey. So, um, I, I think with, with Timmy, it, it's going to be dedication in the off season, but also a philosophy on that, uh, of wanting to get that heavy, yeah. heavier. And I, and I, I think it will come. Um, he's still young. Um, we're, when we'll probably talk about the 2020 draft tomorrow, you know, he's ahead mm -hmm. of a lot of those guys and you're starting to see those guys come on a little more now. Like this is the year that that 2020 draft starts to come. So he's already ahead of that curve, um, which is a good sign. So.
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and uh, and to that with Timmy Stutz, so first of all, going back to his draft, had Todd Lushko on, who worked with Mannheim, a teammate of mine, talked about him being a, a rink rat and a gym rat, and mm. the legs and ass on him, very yeah. powerful. He also, and I believe with training nowadays, has world-class training, whether it be here in Ottawa, back with the German club. I mean, the Europeans have been way ahead of the curve for a long time. Mm. What do you do with Timmy Stutza? You just continue along. I mean, you can work yeah. out all you want. You can work with Matt Nickel. I can go and drink the, 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 the bio-steel juice. I can do all I want at the end of the day, but your body, part of it as well, Justin, is going to decide when you're a man yep. and when you get to man strength. And then the other part, and I don't think this is a case of Timmy Stutzla. I've had players in the past, uh, Brian Sotherby, again, names people wouldn't know, uh, Chris Beach, guys like that, uh, Eric Fair, never got the core strength. It's such an important part yeah. where a guy, just for whatever reason, doesn't adapt, doesn't end up having that. So for Timmy Stutzla, I think it's also philosophically that he keeps his feet moving all the time. And when you have that, you are going to be more prone to when all of a sudden coming out of the track, getting tripped up. But it's not anything I worry about other than it becomes a bit of an issue whether you're figuring out, has he been dumped? Did he dive? What's happening on the ice? What's that look on his face? I think that's taken on a bit of a life of its own with the fans, with the referees, and certainly I think even for people watching. But I'll say on Timmy Stutza, from what I understand, uh, the last thing you have to yeah. worry about with him is work, work ethic, uh, you know, application. Like I say, it's a 21-year-old. This is a process, and it might be when he's 24 or 25 years old. You touched on Steve Eiserman yesterday. He was mm -hmm. just a little boy when he came into the National Hockey League. It took a long, long time for him to reach that spot, both mentally and physically, where he could actually go out and play that style. Yep, completely agree. One more, and then we'll touch yeah. on uh, the oil. Yeah. Are there any hot teams you guys don't believe in that you think will drop? Go, I'll let you start on that. Uh, you know, as far as hot teams, I, I the Boston Bruins, just on the margin of their defense, that will level out. Now, as far as dropping out and not being a playoff team, not a chance. Uh, certainly, I watch the LA. They're a hot team. Vegas is a hot team. Look at the goals against. I think the one that we saw in here the other night would be most likely the one that I expect to drop, Justin, would end up being the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, yeah. You know, when you look at the analytics, you look at the style they're playing, you look at the high shooting percentage, everything else that's going on, that just feels like an absolute house of cards. Not to mention when a team so drastically goes one way so quickly that they ended up doing under Rick Tockett, I think there'll be a little bit of a reset with Vancouver. Yeah, I think I think right now a lot of teams are in the place where they will be. Um, I think Washington is is playing well lately, um, and I'm not sure how much I love them. Um, but yeah. a couple teams that are starting to play well is Pittsburgh. Um, they're starting to come on. Actually, they're doing the opposite. Um, and who else was I looking at that? Um, yeah, and Florida's really coming on as well. So yeah. uh, just to kind of reverse that topic, I think those are two teams that are starting to come on that could uh, could come together. I mean, Pittsburgh I worry about, but I think there's so much talent and, and they got good leadership. I think it just took them a little bit to kind of get used to everyone playing together. That's a big change, having Eric on your back end uh, running things instead of Latang mm -hmm. and, and everyone just kind of slotting into position. Um, but I think they've won four in a row now, so yeah. look out for them and yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, from a Pittsburgh standpoint, and, and, and Carlson coming in moody, uh, Latang is like one of the boys, he's Crosby's guy, he's Malkin's guy, and I kind of thought, what's the overlap here? It's kind of yeah. when he went to San Jose with Brent Burns, I mean, you already have Latang who, that's what he should be doing, because he's not in, obviously, in the best spot uh, defensively, certainly, and I don't believe in him. What I do find neat, and we will say go over to the, uh, Washington, I'm not believing, Ovi's got the four no. goals, yeah. they brought in uh, the Pittsburgh side, and a little bit like, like, I don't think we give enough credit of 
who's the hot player for Pittsburgh right now? It's Malkin. It's not Crosby. Yeah. No, Who last night when Edmonton all of a sudden wanted a bit of a push? And that's not taken away from Crosby or McDavid, but it ended up being the old, maybe so upset about talking to the media all the time, uh, ended up being dry sidle. So thoughts on what you saw last night? And just yeah. small, small thing, but at least I say this. Credit to Edmonton for being proactive versus reactive. You still have an opportunity here, Justin. And yep. how good would that have victory have felt for they're, Edmonton last night? They're going to win a lot of games if they allow one goal. So yeah, um, yeah. a little bit of saves, better defensively, and and obviously playing against a team that's probably not outstanding uh, offensively with the, with the Islanders. But on the Hyman goal, I mean, Nuge was right over to McDavid after McDavid made the pass. You know, like just so excited for him. Uh, it was almost like a sigh of relief, and then McDavid got that ball at the end, um, which got a lucky bounce. But you could just—it just seems like a weight lifted off his shoulder. So, yeah. and I mean, Canada loves McDavid. Um, they want him there. They want him in the playoffs. So, that, to me, that was good to see. Um, and then, and then, obviously, just allowing one goal. It, a lot of things we share here with the scent. Sens and Oilers, you know, yeah. um, and and I think if you can, if they make an emphasis on that, um, a little reset with the coach, even though it seemed like McDavid wasn't too happy about it, um, I think it's I think it's yeah. going to lead to better things. So yeah, now I, we'll see if the goalies can make saves. I mean, I was a little worried. Like it was first shift and let, allowing oh, a goal, yeah. and it was just a complete disaster. Oh. Um, but yeah, they uh, they bounced back and and uh, got that win. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder what Paul Coffey, what he's actually saying to them. Uh, and difference there, obviously, the expectation. As far as McDavid, I guess it just adds to it. And we can have the discussion another day. This is part of the reason why I think being a captain in a Canadian market ends up being so difficult, so much pressure. And all they want at this point uh, is to get some wins. So thank you on a Tuesday for tuning in. I know it's a little quiet this week. Uh, always great having Mark Mathod on yesterday. Cheryl Pounder uh, will continue along. Actually, Ian Mendez will hook up with tomorrow from Stockholm. Matthew Barnaby Thursday. Nick Kipper Friday, so we'll kind of keep the grass rolling. I had segmented or talked about having them come on at 20 after we keep them for 15. That's pretty much shoot up the show, so we'll have to see how this all goes, Justin, but some great talk on an off day. We will tackle tomorrow a little Hall of Fame talk that's already going to be getting old, then get back to uh, the Stutzla draft. I think it's a fun thing yeah. to do when the Sens aren't playing. Uh, they are over in Sweden, so thanks for a yeah, great day, Justin, as well. Everybody out there, kind of gloomy out. Not yeah. the greatest day, so hopefully you enjoyed a little hockey talk, and of course, Stay classy, Ottawa. Until next time, I still have to read it. You can see me looking down, over and out. Cheers. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Simmer Down with John Simpson on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.